Hey everyone, thanks for another edition of All Things Evangelism. This week I am very privileged to have a special guest, not a pastor as we typically have on the podcast or a Bible worker, but a faithful, spirit-led, Seventh-day Adventist church member. And I'm going to let her pronounce her name for you because I'm a little bit afraid right now that I'm going to get it wrong. You are? I am Tari Mapfumo. Ah, excellent. Tari Mapfumo. And I just absolutely love that name. And I learned from Tari that her last name means spear. That's right. That's correct. Yes. And where are you from originally, Tari? I'm originally from Zimbabwe. Yeah, in Harare. And uh, yeah, and I moved in, I moved to Australia in 2006. So that's been a while. Yes. And uh, Mapfumo spear this means this is really cool for me that her one of her ancestors grandfather or great-grandfather someone was a very skilled hunter hence the name yes yes i'm excited i'm not a huntsman myself but i know that the skill is within me yes (laughs) amen amen so tari you have spent a bit of time in the Seventh-day Adventist Church as a part of the local church ministry. Could you tell us just a little bit about, yeah, just your ministry as an Adventist and just whatever you want to share about that to get us familiar with you and your experience in the church? Okay, thank you. So I started going to uh, the Adventist church. I probably started as a baby. So what happened was my mom actually got married to a non-Adventist. And it's when I was one, between the ages of one and seven, we were actually attending Methodist church. And on Saturdays, my mom would still take us to, to church. So I was attending a church twice in a weekend because on Saturday would attend church. And then on Sunday would go to uh, the Methodist church, which was what my father was going to. But what I love about my, my dad, he's still he's since passed away what I loved about him he he did allow my 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 siblings and myself to go to Adventist schools back in Zimbabwe we except two of my older siblings four of us went to Adventist boarding schools so that actually allowed us to grow our faith when we were at I went to Nyazura Adventist for six and if you know how schools work you'd spend three months at school and uh, four weeks at home and you go back to school three months and then one month again at home. So I did spend a lot of my time at school. And I think with that experience and the pathfinders that I was doing when I came on school holidays, that really strengthened my mm-hmm. and really got me to, to working uh, in church. I remember in high school, I was actually when I was 12. Uh, because it was a school, Adventist school setting where you live there. So deaconesses were even, junior deaconesses were students. So I was one of the uh, deaconesses. So I started learning how to serve God there. I was in a church choir. We would go and evangelize in the rural areas, the remote areas that are, that were surrounded by our school. So on Friday nights, we would get into the school bus, 80 of us, and they would be distributed in different parts. And then we would go into the homes would use our feet and uh, on foot will go into the homes of the villages and uh, just share the word of God and would tell them that we are from the school and we would just plant churches so it was really good because we got an opportunity at that age to learn how to to do church planting so yeah so then when I moved to Australia yeah I just yeah I just felt that it's something it wasn't something that I, I was out of choice it's something that's I feel is within me like I can't if I don't share the word if i don't share the information that i have then i feel like i'm not doing anything so that's so cool it was really you you were a child disciple in the seventh day adventist church so through church schooling 
through the mm. ministry of the local church, you were put to work and you were given a personal ministry as a young girl. Yes, yes. Now, when you say it like that, at that time, I didn't see it like that for sure. But now, because we're actually talking about it, I realized that, yeah, thank God for those adults that allowed us and gave us an opportunity to realize that you can start your ministry at any age. It doesn't, yeah, you don't have to be an adult. You don't even have to be a, a teenager because we started off quite young, even as adventurers and pathfinders. Yes. I have this pastor friend. He used to say that we in the church always talk about the youth being the church of tomorrow. And he said that you should never say that because as soon as you tell young people that they're the church of tomorrow, you're telling them to take a break yep. until tomorrow. <laughs> he said the young people in the church are not the church of tomorrow. They're the church of today. Amen. They are the church of today. That is so true. Because once you involve them, once you involve, I, I felt so part of the church. And I also felt that I had something to give because when plans were made, we were not just an additional number. We were the plan. It wasn't, uh, and, oh, we'll add the kids as well. No, the kids were part of the plan. The groups were made out of young people. And we would do our Bible studies at, at school so that we would learn how to be able to share. And I remember one of my friends actually saying to me, ah, oh, you know what, I'm, I don't even know what. And I didn't have the right words to say at that time, but I remember saying to her, you know what, we'll just, God will just give us to say whatever it is that God asks us to say, we'll just say that, let's just go. And I remember going there and we didn't even need to share much, but I guess just the, the conversation and the faith that we had and just being open with the people that were living in the villages and inviting them. So one of the times we just went uh, at that particular day, we went and we it was Saturday morning. And before the Sabbath school, we went into the villages and said, look, we're having a church service. Uh, you can come and join us if you're free. We, I think we ended up having about probably 20 something people that just said, yeah, we'll come. And then, yeah, they, we used to call them now groups where you know three of your friends sing soprano, alto, tenor, and of course the choir will be split, isn't it? You just say, okay, guys, let's come. This is the song. We already know the song. All parts are there. And yes, our Sabbath school divine service happens and off we go back to school. Mm -hmm. So that, yeah, that really was very helpful. That's <laughs> so good. One of the things that when I first came into the Adventist church is I, I, used to speak a lot at like young you know, high schools or uh, at schools, elementary mm. schools, high schools. And I never intended to be a youth minister. It wasn't of interest to me. I just was born into the church and God saved me. And then I just got opportunity to speak to kids. And one of the things I thought to myself is Jesus says, let the children come to me. And not... And he doesn't say that with qualification. Let them come to me in sort of way, in the way that kids can come to me. He doesn't say that. He says, let the children come to me, indicating that kids can come to him and have an actual relationship with Jesus. And they have just as much access to the Holy Spirit as adults. And they're not half people. And Jesus didn't have to pay half the price for their sins for kids and paid just as much for their redemption as for adults. And although they don't have the experience or depth maybe of intellect. They're mm. real people and they can really be ministers for the gospel. And I really think if you patronize kids and if you treat them like the world around us, it patronizes children. It just demeans their humanity by thinking that they're they're unintelligent and silly and you just mm. let them play their silly kid games. Don't take them serious. Don't give them any serious challenges or goals to, to meet. You know what I mean? But and I, th I always thought, man, let's kids will live up to our expectations. And if we train them and if we take them seriously. And if we really believe in them, boy, they could be a great force for good. And 
And that, I'm just so impressed to hear you as a very, as a great asset to the local church saying that it all began because you ministered as a kid. Amen. And the encouragement of what you're saying, totally agree. The Pathfinder or Adventurer allowed us even to do Bible memorization. Do you know, I was just laughing. I have memory verses, chapters in the Bible that I remember, not because I've learned them now, but because I learned them when I was a Pathfinder. Hmm. And it just stuck to my memory. And when you're talking about kids uh, having their own relationship with God, I remember at one time I had a a terrible headache and I was sleeping. And one of my boys came and I just said to him, oh, you know what, switch off the light because I've got a really terrible headache. And I remember him saying, you know what, I'll pray for you. And it was such, he was young and it was such a blessing uh, for me to know that at some point, if they are also experiencing something, they will be able to pray for themselves. So if they can, so in a way that's ministering to, to me to say that God uses everyone. And at that particular time, just to say, when we talk about evangelism or we talk about ministering to people, it's not just about going with the Bible and saying things, sometimes speaking words of encouragement to people that we meet, a word that we speak in season, there's a lot of things happening that can be a way of ministering and at that time that's exactly what I needed I needed somebody to to pray for me and encourage me and he sent a little young boy to just come and pray for me so praise God for uh, yeah for opportunities that children get amen hey okay just a I'm going to take a turn here in our conversation but I want to get your commentary and your thoughts on something because we're assuming with the title of this podcast tips for your personal ministries Mm. that Every individual church member is called to have a ministry. Mm. Well, in the church today, whether it's the Adventist church or other church communities, there seems to be the mindset that the ministry is the ministry of pastors. So we just suppose that to be in ministry means to be in pastoral ministry, to be Mm. filling that particular role in the church. But I don't see things that way, and I don't think that the Bible sees things that way either, as far as I can understand, and I think it's pretty clear, the New Testament, is that the church, the Christian church, is Mm. given the ministry. So the church is the body of Christ, and any member is a part of the body, and Jesus is the head. And every part of the body is to serve the purpose of the Christian ministry. Therefore, every member individually is called to have a ministry. And Paul, he reflects this in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, and I think it's verse 2. It may be verse 1, but he says, Therefore, seeing we have this ministry, we do not faint in our hearts. So he's basically speaking to the whole church in Corinth, and he says, we have this ministry. And in the context of his statement, because in chapter 3, he's talking about the new covenant ministry of the God writing his laws on your heart rather than on stone. So he says, we have this ministry, like we have this, as a church collective, we have this very important task of ministering to people the power of the gospel. That's basically what he's saying. And so what are your thoughts in that regard? Do you, any feelings, any thoughts about everyone having a personal ministry? Definitely. When you were saying that, it took me back to Matthew 28, where we find the Great Commission, where it says, go ye therefore. That is a charge that's been given to everyone. It's for every single person to go ye therefore and teach all nations. And when I see that, I don't actually see that just as a verse, but I see that as a command. It says, because it doesn't say, if you can, and it doesn't say, if you want, and it doesn't say if you may, it actually says go ye therefore. So it's actually for every single person 
which means me, the males in the church, the deacon, or even people without a title. So our work for God is not defined by the title the church, the worldly church gives us. Mm. You don't have to be given a title in church to work for God. Anybody can work for God. So I, how I see as a personal ministry, for example, I, I look at it from this point that every single opportunity, every single appointment that I have, every single thing that I come across, I look at it from a divine appointment context. Okay. What does it mean with the people that I work with? I don't see them just as colleagues. I see my work of place as a divine appointment. The places that I go, the schools, I, t I tell my kids, where you are at school, you're not just there to learn. You're also there to minister for God. Because that's our purpose. Because for me to live is Christ, but to die is gain. So we have a ministry. Every single person has got a ministry. Some may ask, oh, you know what? I don't have the confidence to, to talk or I don't have words to say. With the current world times we're living, there's so many ways to be a, a co-worker with Christ. Yeah, the people have got social media platforms. When I think about it, I think about uh, what can I do on my social media platform? Can I share a word of encouragement? Can I share a verse there? I love singing. So sometimes I just record myself singing and I post it to encourage one person. And if I preach somewhere, I just upload it on my Facebook page and I share with, with a sister or brother. I've got a phone. I can use my phone to send an encouraging text to a sister and brother. But what I found out, is I cannot do any of these things without the Holy Spirit, without prayer, praying for the mm -hmm. Holy Spirit. That is the trick that I found because I, I know from experience that God qualifies everyone. He doesn't call only the qualified. He qualifies you. Amen. It, it, show, it, it, it really shows even when the way that he did with Moses. Moses was worried about the way he spoke. And I, and some level, I'm really happy that Moses was able to say those things because what who knows if what could have happened in terms of if he was such an eloquent speaker, well-spoken. People would have just said, no, it's the way he speaks that, uh, that made Pharaoh let the ch uh, children of uh, Israel go. But then he was open to God to say, I'm not able to do this. And God provided. And he still was able to go to Pharaoh and did what he needed to do. So God qualifies every single person. The point is, you just have to be waiting. Yes. You just have to be making yourself available. So I, I got I to tell you this. Yeah. I had this conversation with a very successful pastor last week. And his job is to work with young pastors to help them become more successful in outreach mm. ministry. And mm. just a real soul winner. He's just, he's got the gift of evangelism. And some people who do outreach ministry don't have the gift of evangelism. Like, mm. but Paul said to Timothy, do the work of an evangelist. So everyone has their own, everyone's a follower of Jesus who's following Jesus. And Jesus says, if you follow me, I'll make you fishers of men, which means we all to some degree become contributors to soul winning. So his job is to win, to teach pastors to be better soul winners. And he said to me, it was brilliant. He said, one of the reasons it's, I don't know if I could say it as well as he did, but <laughs> it was so, it hit me. He said, too many guys are trying to be too smart and they're trying to, they're thinking that ministry and success in ministry requires 150 IQ and a triple PhD. He said, but it's just not that hard. He said, the task of winning souls is just about motivation, inspiration, and commitment and an acceptance of the call. And mm -hmm. and he said that I've got to help these guys be less smart. He said, because they're <laughs> trying to be too smart. And and that just comes to mind from what you say, because 
as I'm listening to you share these really helpful pointers and tips, it, it almost seems to me like you're just someone who's being themselves in Jesus and living as if God really exists and ta- you're taking God's word as his yeah. word, like to you as a person. So it's really refreshing to hear you speak because we live in this world where everyone has a trade, everyone has a profession, and everyone's a professional. Mm-hmm. And if you're not a professional, then you have nothing to say about a subject. If you're not a health professional, you can't have a health opinion. If you're not a legal professional, you can't have an opinion on the law. It's a mindset of the world that we live in. Like, I'm a professional. Mm. And therefore, you're the only one who can know anything about this particular subject. But when it comes to faith and to the ministry of the church and you and just the scripture, that's not really the world that we're looking at. That's not the way that it's supposed to be. And yeah, so I, I just think that our culture and our mindset and our culture sometimes hinders people because they think, if I'm not an ex, that's not my trade or that's not my career. I haven't studied for many years. And so then mm-hmm. I don't have a personal ministry or a contribution to make. But what you're saying is that it's just not that hard. It's just committing to God, being in the spirit and being motivated to share and seeing yourself as God says you should see yourself. And and look, totally agree. If God, I can, if this will encourage someone, if God can use a person like me, he surely can use anybody. I can tell you that because when you look at things like what you're saying in terms of how the world is and you have to train for it, I've never gone to to university to learn how to be a a pastor or a preacher or an evangelist or there's no study that we've done for personal ministries. But I learned one thing, where exactly where you are, so whoever is listening, start where you are is one of the things that I also learned, like where you are right now. So if you're at home, if you're in your home, you can start your personal ministry in your own home. And then, and, and it moves out as well at church, at work, like I was saying that but before, but as well, the strangers that we meet, the strangers that we meet in, in the places that we, we think, oh, I'm never going to see this person again. It means that's perfect timing then to share, to show, <laughs> to show yeah. your, the best you can actually be. Because I see people in the, in, when they're driving and someone cuts them and we, people are so impatient and some people shout out through the window and their mindset is, I'm, I'm never going to see this person again but then it's actually the perfect opportunity to show christ if you think you're never going to see the this person again it means that you have to do your very best to represent your father because if you say if i say i am a christian so look at the word christian it's c right c h r i s t i a n so if you remove christ what remains if you remove christ from christian what stays yep and then i a n I am nothing. So without Christ, surely I am nothing. So in terms of like, I like the fact that I I don't have to do any of these things on my own. One of the things that I've learned as well is I I, I was reading one book by Sister Ellen White and it's in evangelism. um, That's the book. And it said when personal work is neglected, there's so many precious opportunities that are lost, which if they were improved would advance the work decidedly. So it's in the gospel workers again. What am I saying? I'm saying if I don't do my part, disadvantage is so disadvantaging so many other children of God that could benefit from whatever it is that I can offer. If I don't do the smallest part, disadvantaging. But what I've also learned that if I'm not willing to work for God, God has got a thousand ways. He will send the next person. He will teach the next one and the next one and the next one. 
and I don't want to miss out. Who wants to miss out on God using them? I know I don't want to miss out in any way, even if it means being a dick on a church, means a bit of cleaning up the toilets. I want to do it. I want to do it because I'm not doing it for the church. I'm not doing it for the pastor. I'm doing it for my father. And that's the thing. Everything that we're doing for and the person who benefits the most, guess who it is? It's us. Me. Yes, you're right. I so, actually benefit the most, yeah. Yeah, amen. I wanted to just maybe dwell a little bit on this idea of starting where you are, right? Mm -hmm. Because, yeah, we're all in different circumstances. I almost want to just say, could you elaborate a little bit more about that? Because I'm thinking, okay, we're there's a person out there, they're in maybe restrictions because of the COVID scenario. What are, is there anything else we could say about starting where you are? I like what you said about Moses took what was in his hand and God said, okay, what's in your hand? What do you have? Evaluate that, make an evaluation of your circumstances and your situations, and then intelligently consider how you can serve, how you can minister. I guess that's something for me, right? Like I'm thinking, where am I? Do I interact with people? Well, yes, I do. In what ways can I be a blessing to those people? We're all relatively intelligent creatures and we can we can come up with really good ways to be a blessing to our next door neighbor, to our colleague at work. Mm. What are some kind words, some considerate questions? There's lots of different ways, right? So yeah. anything okay. come to your mind in regards yeah. to that? Anything yeah. more you want to say in that? Yeah, I think it's very broad because starting where you are can mean physically, can mean also emotionally, can mean spiritually. Yeah, it can fit in all those sense because someone might be listening and saying, you know what, I actually don't even have a, my own personal relationship with God. I don't feel like it's strong. God is still saying, start where you are. Let's build the relationship. He wants to have an intimate relationship with you. The one that was broken in the Garden of Eden because of sin, he wants to have that relationship. And what it, take, what it means is, am I going to wake up early and start praying to God, reading my Bible, building my relationship with God and asking the question, that very important question to say, God, what is it where, what, what is it that you have me do? Where do you want me to start? Because mm -hmm. God wants us to ask those questions. He doesn't want us to do everything by ourselves. Sometimes a person might be saying, I'm in lockdown. I can't even access anybody. Can you access a phone? Can you access a laptop? Do you have internet? Do you have access to any other resources that will help you to just reach out to a person? Yep. that's it that's what you have to use start where you are some someone will be saying i don't have any of those things do you have a name do you have a neighbor that you can reach out to or just god yep. gives us opportunities to start exactly where we are someone might be saying you know what i'm not really confident in speaking but you know what i've got an extra i've got lots of resources for example that i have that i'm not necessarily using all the time or extra food or time Someone's got uh -huh. time on their hands. Start where you are. Donate that time. Use that time. At our church, for example, our local church, we've got a pantry that happens. So if you're saying, I can't do ministry, I can't preach, I don't know how to share verses, go there and help out. That's ministry. That's your uh -huh. personal ministry. And think about the, the widow of Zarephath. Yeah, she was a widow. Mm -hmm. Of Zarephath that had lost her husband. And this is probably in First Kings. She didn't have, she didn't have anything. She literally had the very last meal that she was just going to have with her son and died when Elijah came. That's exactly what she said to, she said to him. To say, I was just 
looking around for things to just yeah. to cook like just to, eat and die and eat and yeah. die just picture it though like really picture it situation it's a very desperate situation that when we are desperate like that sometimes we just give up but this lady when elijah said make some for me first make some for me first okay. it's the same way that god does when even when we give wow. our tithe and um and offering he oh. says put mine first on the side because guess what god will multiply whatever it is that's left Beautiful. Wow. That's so powerful. So the widow went ahead and did it. And that was the ministry he ministered to Elijah in a mighty way. And yes. And her sustaining him is her sustaining the ministry that God is accomplishing in the entire nation. So she's sustaining the man who's going to reform the whole nation. And that's a massive contribution. And this brings me to something that I think about a lot. And that is that people undervalue the contribution that they make because in their eyes, it's not as great as a contribution that someone else makes. Mm-hmm. And so they really undervalue their contribution. And I don't, I don't like that because I'm, I consider myself a common man and I come from a family of just common kind of working class people. Mm-hmm. And I've seen so much greatness and I've at the same time, I've associated with high level people, high society. Mm-hmm. So I've spent good amounts of time in high society and but I come from low society. And I can honestly say that I've seen just as much intelligence, brilliance, and and beauty in the common classes of the world as I have seen in the higher classes. Mm-hmm. And I just say this because I just feel like in ministry, anything that is done out of love for God has eternal significance. And any person who has the opportunity to do something for God should feel privileged and they should feel that contribution is a beautiful thing because we're all naturally sinful. And if the Holy Spirit of the living God has inspired you to do an act of love, that is written in the books of heaven. And it's a noteworthy and beautiful thing. And so I think people don't realize the great privilege they have to do what they can do for God. And it may not be what somebody else can do. And it's like it's almost like we all want to be someone else. And that keeps sure. us from being the best Christ follower we can be. And I think that's something. So be who you are, like not just start where you are, but be who you are and be okay with that. Like you have your voice, your talents, your gifts, and you're not a carbon copy of another person. And don't covet that. Don't wish you were someone else because God made you just who you are. And he wants your gifts and your talents to be employed for the ministry. And you should be excited that you can do that and not down on yourself because you're not supposedly as talented as someone else. It's almost like you're making it about you, right? Like this mm. is a performance. Ministry is not a performance about no, you. No. It's an act of love in response to the great God that we serve, right? It's true. And you know what? I just was thinking about this when you're talking to say, can you remember that the disciples of Jesus, how different they were as well in terms of their characters? We, we have the sons of thunder that we, we've got the text collectors. We've got, yeah. it's a mix. And I think I learned a lot from, from that as well, because I you can easily say, oh, if Jesus had come and selected the elite, the most educated, the ones who were eloquent, well-spoken and all that, we would, we would not, I would feel very unqualified to, to even try because I would say even Jesus saw that he couldn't use just a common man, but yeah. he used the fishermen. Out of all the people, he used <laughs> the fishermen. Yes. And they were just willing. There was just people that were willing to go because an example that I, 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 I always use when I think about it is with the disciples, you think about them, right? That how much they didn't have much. But then you think about the rich young ruler who was so faithful to God in every other thing until God himself says, come and follow me then. If you've done everything, if you've done everything, yeah. if you've given, if you've done this, go and distribute all your wealth and follow me. 
And the young man went away quite sorrowfully, very sorrowfully, because he was very yeah. And the comparison with the people that didn't have much, the disciples, they just said, yep, Jesus said, come. And then said, I will go, I will follow. And that's it. And that's what we just need to do. When God calls us, just saying, I will go, I will follow. He will empower us. He says in Isaiah, Isaiah 41, 10, that fear not for I am with you. Be not be dismayed for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will, up, uh, I will help you and I'll uphold you with my righteous right hand. He doesn't leave us to do any of these things that I'm talking about by ourselves. I know for a fact that if I was to do any of these things by myself, even to say things from my mouth, I would not be comfortable. I would not be confident to go there. It would not have value. But I, I, I actually have to allow God and I ask God, what is it that you have me say? And even two weeks ago, I got a, a wonderful opportunity to, uh, to preach in an Anglican church. And I was so blessed by the service. I was so blessed to see my fellow brothers and sisters that are also in this journey and willing to have me, who's from a totally different church, come and, and preach at their church. And yeah. when I got the invitation, I did not even think twice or three times or any, I just <laughs> said, yes. I didn't even know what I was going to talk about. I remember later yeah. on asking them, is there a specific subject you want me to share on or as the spirit leads? And I like how the lady replied. She said, as the spirit leads. And that's exactly what I did. And I praise God because we have more appointments with that church in the coming months. And it Amen. all started off with a message that came on Facebook and how it came actually that invitation. It was because of in Facebook where I share the word of God and I just share ministry. Remember, we're talking about your personal ministry. And she just said, I've been following you on Facebook and we really want to invite you to our church. That's how the invitation came. Who could have guessed? Imagine. And yeah. Uh, and yeah, and it just means that God has got so many appointments for us out there. And we're not just putting ourselves out to be able to work for him. Not that I am. I know I have to ask him more. I know there are times that I fail. But the good thing about it is our God is so gracious. Even when I fail in my own personal ministry, I can go back to God and say, God, I think I failed. I think I could have done something differently. I think I went ahead of you. And God is so generous and kind. He's so loving and he just gives us many other ways to say, okay, my child, let's do this again. Let's do this. Yeah. When we fail, we don't have to stop because we tried something and didn't work. No. Just an opportunity yeah. for learning. And yeah. yeah. So good. Hey, yeah. listen, sister, we're out of time. I just got to say, we need to get you back to have <laughs> tips for your personal ministries part two. We, there were some really great insights that you brought up and that we were able to share. And I hope that all of our friends out there were as blessed as I was having this conversation with you. Everyone, I just want to encourage you that, yeah, you'll never be perfect, but praise God that we have a perfect Savior who has called us to service and ministry. And we Amen. have a great privilege of following in his footsteps and being a blessing to the world around us. We don't know where you are and where you're beginning, but we know that God has a great purpose for your life. Amen. And if you just trust and believe and have confidence in him. Thank you so much, sister, for joining us. And we look forward to seeing you all next week for all things evangelism. God bless.